threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to another exciting edition of the Pointless Exercise Podcast. We're going to talk about some meetings that were had in the winter that had something to do with baseball out there in lovely San Diego. So with us uh, for the baseball podcast is Bally Senior MLB writer, David Brown. David, how are you? Hi, Andy. I'm doing great. I hope you're doing well, too. I'm, I've never been better. Uh, so the winter meetings have come and gone. Um, they were eventful. Uh, Aaron Judge signed, uh, re-signed with the Yankees, and Arson Judge <laughs> signed with the Giants. We're not sure what Stanton's going to do. That was another flub. He, uh, he called him Stanton once. He did? John Heyman? Uh, Nightingale did. Oh, wow. That seems about right. Um, but... Uh, John Heyman also said that Coke Hamels wants to come back to pitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, John, slow down. Really. Just right. maybe read the tweet. I mean, I got – I. it's annoying when Heyman breaks news for me because I can't read his tweets. So I have <laughs> to go to my burner Twitter account to see what he wrote. And it's for the most innocent reason that he banned me. 
it's not my fault. I, I mean, you, probably, you might remember this. Um, kid, so if you've got kids in the car, earmuffs for just a second. Um, he tweeted about a big um, um, home run by, um, why am I blanking on the, uh, Jones, the former uh, Orioles Andrew? center fielder. Oh, Andy. Uh, no, not that's, Andy. that's exactly what I thought, too. It's not Alex Jones. That's a different kind of thing. <laughs> anyway, it'll come to us. Is it Jones? Adam. Adam Jones. Adam Jones. Adam Jones hit a home run. John got excited. Went to use the hashtag Big Hits and spelled it B I G T I T S. So I screen grabbed it and I would occasionally tweet it at him just for fun. And then one day he decided that he, that was enough of me. He's had enough. Yes. But he has a history of uh, uh, tweeting a little fast. And uh, yes, the the it was like two nights before it actually happened. He reported that uh, um, Arson Judge was going to sign with the Giants. Well, he, and he didn't even, I mean, he could even left that up because he said the, the words that he used were like, it appears that Aaron Judge is going to San Francisco. I mean, he, he couched it a little bit. He could have People have yeah. said he, more he wrong. He it because of the arson part, which actually was just I funny. Get, that's too bad because that's that's a classic just, moment. Just, in, just lean into it, right? Which sometimes he does, oh. I think. Okay, so uh, locally, at least for me, locally for me, the uh, there were three moves that directly impacted uh, Cubs and Cubs fans. Um, the first of which was. The Cubs signed a, a guy with a great resume, MVP, Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove, Silver Slugger, two All Stars. But, uh, but the last two years he's been one of the worst players in all of baseball. And so it's Cordy Bellinger. If I narrow it down for you guys, um, mm. and they signed him to a one-year deal which I found very puzzling. Right. So Scott Boris is uh, the rhyming agent for Cody. Honestly, now you've been around Scott Boris. You told us this. With the really bad puns, does he think they're funny just because sports writers nervously laugh at them? Is that just encourages him to go with the weird? Or is he just, he knows they're not funny. He doesn't care. He's a billionaire and he'll just say whatever he wants. That's a really good question, Andy. Or maybe I think, a little of both, maybe. I think the answer is mostly that he thinks they're funny. Yeah, but he also is maybe ashamed of it that he <laughs> thinks they're funny. That's how I think of puns. I get, you know, I'm I like to pun, but I also roll my eyes when other people do it because I didn't do it. And um, you know, there's the, that common whatever that's like the lowest form of comedy. So um which I don't necessarily believe, but that's what some people believe. So I think it's, uh, I would say it's its mostly that he really does think they're funny, yeah, and, but maybe 10% realizes that that's kind of hackneyed. What would happen if uh, he did that and, sport, and all the sports writers just started booing him? <laughs> boo. Well, that would be funny too. Uh, boo. I always take it like, that's a funny boo anyway. So that would not discourage me no. from doing more yeah, puns. Yeah, he'd, he'd be up there going, all right, bring it on. I love it. Right. More. More. 
Right. Okay, so anyway, the uh, Scott wanted a one-year deal for Cody. The feeling was that uh, it, he feels, and apparently the Cubs agreed, um, the serious uh, shoulder injury that Cody uh, suffered, which he then, uh, is this the timeline right then? He then exacerbated it, or he, he re-injured it, by hitting a home run in game one of the World Series and doing the weirdest, like, forearm high five of all Very time. Very forceful. Very forceful. And then standing in the outfield and going and giving the my shoulder exploded pantomime to everybody else. It's like great. I think that's vaguely the timeline. Yes, I think uh, I, he's there, there's something wrong with his shoulder that has that precedes all of this. I'm sort of unclear about that. I'm unclear about exactly how much the forearm bash hurt or exacerbated. It's just a uh, and also. That timeline doesn't completely a hundred percent line up with, like, you know, he was kind of having a down season before that. Yeah. So uh, compared to his MVP times, so yeah, he was he was great his first few years. Nineteen, he won the MVP. Yeah. Twenty, he struggled, but then he seemed to get it. It was the weird pandemic here too, so nobody really like. Right. They seemed to get it together, and played pretty well in the playoffs until he blowed up his arm, and then he did nothing right. for the rest of the World Series. Then he shows up for camp in 21, I believe, after having the surgery, and he breaks his leg. Mm. So he played all of 21, rehabbing a bad shoulder and breaking his leg. So the Dodgers are like, all right, 22, he's going to be great. And he was he was so bad in 21. I think he I think that was the year he had the OPS plus of 48. Yeah, that's about right. It's one uh, just an amazingly pathetic season. And then last year and, he was like seventy-seven. Yeah. So not something like not good. Twenty percent worse than the league, rather than sixty. So if you're the Cubs, and you're like, all right, well, this is a guy who's only, what's he, twenty-seven years old. This is a mm-hmm. guy to take a chance on. The dumbest thing you can do is agree to sign that guy for one year. Because either, um, he doesn't, he he doesn't get it together, and he's bad. Or, if you're confident you're going to get something out of him, turn him around, he has a good year, and then he leaves. It's not even one of those player opt-out deals. So there's apparently a mutual option that the Cubs have to pay $5.5 million to get out of. So, And that was just for AAV purposes, right? It's $12 million in 23, and then it's 5.5. That's the buyout in 24. Right. So he's getting $17.5 million. He's just... He's a little of it's deferred because you know Cubs. How could they possibly afford to pay all that at once? Um, so it's just odd to me. It's basically like what you're saying is we know we can get this guy back on track, and then he can go shop himself and make a lot of money somewhere else. You're welcome. Yep. Because we know we're we're we were one center fielder away from the World Series next year. So we get Cody, we win the World Series, and everybody's happy. It's like. And honestly, if the, if, if the whole idea is, well, we can't block Pete Crow Armstrong, so we don't want to sign him for more than a year. It's like, oh, just, just stop it. Shut up. There's Last I checked, there's three outfield spots, and he can play first base. There's no yes. reason for that deal to only be – basically, if Scott said it can only be a year, it's like, all right, well, good luck. Go find some other sucker. Right. But the Cubs are like, no, 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 we'd like to be the sucker. Please, let us be the sucker. Yeah, I don't know, other than coming out of nowhere and winning it all this year, 
I don't know what's in it for the Cubs exactly. So it um, it seems to me that the best outcome for the Cubs would be that he's just kind of okay. <laughs> right. And then they're like, you know what, Cody, you liked it here. Look, you're getting better. I think maybe we ought to give you how about a how about a three year deal next? And he's like, okay, sure, I'll take the money. Because if he's really bad, you don't want to keep him. And if he's really good, he doesn't want to stay. And it's just that's quite a, a needle they're trying to thread there. But they got a lot of credit for that. A lot of people slapping him on the back for, oh, this is a great move. Oh, geez, you guys, that's it's genius. It's like, I'll think about it for five minutes, and it's not so genius. Their other uh, signing was uh, former number two overall pick, Jamison Tyon. Do you remember who he was drafted in between? I don't. Uh, I would think two Hall of Famers. Bryce Harper. He got picked after Bryce Harper and right before Manny Machado. Wow. Yeah. The Pirates, I tell you, they, they know how to pick him. <laughs> I mean, he's been good, but obviously not like that. Yeah. But signable, I would imagine that's probably the first adjective that they used for him. Yes. Oh, we can sign him. Um, and he's, I honestly, I think that's a pretty good signing. Seventeen mm-hmm. million dollars a year. It's below the qualifying offer for a guy who pitched well for the Yankees. Has pitched well when healthy, although that's never happened. Um, <laughs> caught Tommy John disease twice. Had to uh, had to go through cancer treatments at one point. Um, but that's all quite that's, a lot. All that's behind him, maybe. I would take a third Tommy John disease, and you're probably just packing it in. Well, uh, who was the the left-handed pitcher who had like five of them? <laughs> there was somebody for the Braves. I, I slip in my mind, but um, it's rare. Yeah. So, so he's probably on a good team. He's probably what your number three starter. Yes. But he's on the on Cubs. On a great team, number four. But above yeah. team three, yes. But he's on the Cubs, and he's basically the co-ace with Marcus Stroman. Right. And that's all they did. And people are like, oh, look at the Cubs. Look at the... They're spending all this money. <laughs> it's like, oh, are they? They increased their payroll for next year by $29 million. Well, I think they're just juxtaposing them against the White Sox. I think yes, anybody true. looks very spendy against them next to them and same team or same town. So maybe that's where they're getting, getting the context. Did the White Sox go to the winter meetings? Maybe they just forgot. Maybe they're flying to San Diego this week or next week. Where is everybody? Oh, I think we did it again. That, I think we missed it. That was when, no wonder the rooms were so cheap. Right. Now they got, uh, all their, they got their shopping done earlier with Mike Clevenger. Right. <laughs> Beating the uh, door that was a doorbuster, <laughs> Mike Clevenger. Yeah, they use their Coles cash. <laughs> <laughs> we got Jerry. We'd like to sign him early. We got a coupon. All right. <laughs> How long? Make sure he cuts his hair. <laughs> oh, I don't well, know about it's, that. It's one year, but really, it's it's more like it's more like nine months. Okay, that's fine. Keep the receipt though. 
The other Cub-related news was uh, their uh, three-time All-Star catcher. Wilson Contreras did the most obvious thing ever. The thing we've been, Cub fans have been watching coming down the pike for months. <laughs> he is replacing the great Yadier Molina with the St. Louis Cardinals. The, the Cubs, who could never, ever sign him for more than a year, ever, um, and basically didn't even bother to try and negotiate any kind of contract with him for the last two years. Um, watched him go to their arch rivals. I get it. Yeah. Boris they're like, we'll give, him, we'll give him five years. <laughs> you think Jed's like, wait a minute, what, really? Five? Do we think he might be good? Eh, too late now. What do they know that we don't? Well, well everything, basically. Everybody knows everything that the Cubs don't. The Cubs just seemed hell-bent to um, move on from Wilson. I I think part of it is I don't think he's ever had a terribly good relationship with David Ross. They were teammates for a year. Um, and I I wrote about this. I really think this is a thing. I think that the, um, the, the vaunted Cubs Pitch Lab guys have been trying to they try to pin failures on anybody but them. And I think a lot of it yeah. was, well, we'll, we come up with these great game plans that Wilson can't follow. And, oh, my God, look at all the strikes he steals. Oh, God. Where do we get a real catcher? And <laughs> they're going to find out what life is like with P.J. Higgins and Jan Gomes. That'll be fun. Um, what does it say to you as a astute baseball observer when – the Cardinals, the team that for years, decade, two, two decades, valued uh, defense behind the plate, says, we don't have a problem with that. We'll give them we'll five years. Well, I know that Sean Murphy was on the uh, on their list and the because obviously the, if you're the A's, well, we, we're not going to be able to afford Sean Murphy in three years or whatever it is when he gets free agency. It's like, why do you even have a baseball team? I mean, it's anyway. Well, I got to create, um, don't they have to clear room for the great Shane Langoliers? Right. One of my favorite Stephen King novels, yep. the Langoliers. Um, I mean, that's true. I, I'm not sure. I didn't see what, I know he was a good prospect with the Braves. I don't know if he's ready to, be good in the major leagues or not but um well and as it turns out i don't remember exactly what it was reportedly but Derek gould in the st louis paper had a thing about how the the a's wanted you know great return players for for murphy and they wanted wanted a newt bar among other things right they wanted newt bar and and guys who are part of their young side core not the the main core but the good uh, supplemental players. They want a Newt Bar or, you know, Nolan Gorman or whatever, two out of those three guys. And um, so that's why the Cardinals turn to the, the free agent dude. So, yeah, he's a different – Murphy's a better uh, defensive player. You know, you talked about the, the pitch lab guys blaming Wilson for things. You know, his framing numbers weren't particularly good. No. Um, I don't know how he is with handling a pitching staff, and I don't know how that is measured or 
or how valuable it is or what? Well, so Matt Clapp um, had some looked up some numbers and saw that um, the, several of the Cubs starters did, did pitched better last year with Jan Gomes catching than they did with Wilson. Like it wasn't yeah. like Marcus Stroman was basically level. It didn't matter who caught him. Like it was, a, it was a marked difference. Justin Steele was much better with Gomes. Hendricks was a lot better with Gomes. Um, but at, but at the end of the year, there the the catcher ERA difference between Gomes and uh, Wilson was like a tenth of a point. Right. So you you, you you have there's no context when you just have the the two numbers. Like Hendricks was only had a few good starts. He was only really healthy for a few starts. If those just happen right. to be Jan Gomes starts, he's going to have a better catcher ERA. Um, I guess yeah, that's one of those. The catcher ERA thing is interesting, but like you were just implying, there's more context yeah. to it than you know. It's a matter of timing. You know who's healthy, who you're playing, yeah. luck. So there's all kinds of factors that go into that. Before I forget, it's funny. I was looking up like, uh, you know, Yadier Molina, for all of his credit that he got defensively, was not a very good pitch framer until like, like his best pitch framing year was this year, this past year. Like he finally learned how to do it, and he was okay. He was better the last couple years before, and this year he's like ninth in the league in pitch framing. Uh, so I mean, it is something that can be taught. And isn't necessarily something that's easy to pick up. Yeah. Um, so we're getting back to the, the pitch lab guys. I mean, I, I would put as much blame on the inability of the Cubs to teach Wilson pitch framing as him not learning it. So uh, they almost wondered there, and they're like, "So who taught the? Where did we get him from? Who taught him how to catch? We did. Oh, that's the problem. <laughs> right? Why would we have? Why would we want a catcher that we taught? Go get somebody else's. Somebody who already knows what they're doing. I wonder were Yadi's pitch framing numbers uh, hampered by the fact that he could set up uh, <laughs> eight feet into the into the yeah. other and still get a strike called. The, the Tom Glavin of catchers. The guy doing the framing is like, no, I'm not giving him credit for that. That was ridiculous. <laughs> no. It's amazing that the uh, there's a there's a correlation between. Uh, how many? How much time Yachty missed for basketball games with uh, how good his pitch framing got? So you know. maybe that's what he was. Maybe that's what he's really doing. He's, I'm, I'm going to finally learn how to do this. I'm going to need a cover story. It's embarrassing to be 45 <laughs> years old and finally learn how to do this. You know what? Well, just the basketball team's got a game this week. I'll just pretend I'm going there. <laughs> you know what? I better wear a uniform on the bench as the owner and get make sure all the TV cameras find me so I can really sell this. Good job, Yachty. Um, you know, part of me feels good for Wilson. I've always liked him. I'm glad he cashed in. Um, I'm sure there's going to be some satisfaction to the fact that he can, you know, give a big F you to the Ricketts that not only did he get his money, but now he's playing for the, you know, their biggest competitor. But he's got to live in St. Louis. And honestly, I, it's, I think it's going to be miserable to be the guy who replaces Yachty. With that fan base and the every time a Cardinal gets a hit, Yachty wouldn't have called that pitch. <laughs> Stupid Cub. He's he's <laughs> he's uh 
he's trying to sabotage us from the inside. <laughs> and it's, I mean, I know John Lester apparently talked to the Cardinals, former Cardinal John Lester. Yeah. It's been a month and a half there at the end of his career. And basically said he was my personal catcher when Ross retired, and he did a good job. So all this defensive liability crap is, you know, don't worry about it. Right. Um, but I kind of wonder if Wilson, maybe you should have called Dexter. Asked Dexter mm. Fowler how he enjoyed his time in St. Louis. Because he didn't. No, he didn't. He sure didn't. And he was replacing Randall Gritchick, <laughs> who was actually still there. Fans <laughs> could still wax Nasilius Randall. Well, there he is. But not Yachty. Um, I still, I, I don't. Now, you know, you, you were making fun of the Cubs. People were talking about how they were spending money, and you're, you're like, well, they haven't really spent that much yet. If they go on to spend, you know, the, the winter meetings are over, but free agents are still checking in. If they go on to spend more money, why didn't they just decide, you know what, our approach with Wilson was bad? Do you think they could have, like, repaired that relationship with a big check? Yes. They didn't yeah. want to. They, they wanted him gone. They thought they had him traded. They thought they had him traded to the Astros, and Dusty said, no, dude, I don't want that dude. And um, <laughs> and then they were on trade deadline day. They were all excited all because he was the best bat except for Juan Soto. And then the Juan Soto thing sucked all the air out of everything. I guess, yeah. And they just got left there with, well, fine. We'll just – we'll take the – We'll take the draft pick. And now I'm sure they're like, not only do we get the draft pick, but the Cardinals lose one. And the Cardinals lose half a million dollars of international pool money. Look what a huge win this was for us. <laughs> I would rather you had a player. And actually, I would really like if you just kept him. He's 30 years old. And you're like, well, that's starting to get up there for a catcher. But he didn't start catching until mm-hmm. he was like 24. Right. You know, it's... It's not like they tried to sign him and couldn't. They just, they literally never tried to sign him. They never talked about a long-term contract with him, ever. So they clearly have wanted to move on and now they get to do it. Um, and I, their plan B, you, know, you talk about the Cardinals not wanting to pay what uh, the A's wanted for Sean Murphy. He's their plan B, too. And they right. don't even have, they even if they wanted to, they can't they can't, right. they don't have the prospects. And I know there's people like, oh, no, the Cubs have a great farm system. I say, well, the Cubs have the Cubs have a they have a deep farm system. That doesn't mean they have any top end, any real top end talent. And for all the angst about, oh, God, how are we going to protect all these guys that are Rule 5 eligible? Right. They lost one guy <laughs> who's not likely to stick with the Mariners, they're probably going to get him back. Meanwhile, the Pirates in the big and the Cubs lost three total between the Major League and the Minor League one. The Pirates lost eleven guys. What, did the Giants lose a team too? A team's worth of guys, maybe in the Minor League side. Yeah, I don't know. So if the, if your thought is we'll just get Murphy, it's like, all right, what are you going to give up? Right. You know, you, you don't have a Newt Bar. He's got a funny name, but I mean, he's going to go into the season as like the everyday center fielder or right fielder or something. So, yeah, funny name. There's way too many A's, and you never know where they are, where the double A is. Is is it two A's and Lars? Who knows? But he was—he had a really good second half, and then I think it was 
What's the guy? Brendan Donovan? Yeah. That's that was the other guy they wanted, and then there was a minor leaguer that they wanted. Right. And so I was sitting here like, all right, well, so who are they gonna ask for from the Cubs? It's like, well, I don't know. I mean, Christopher Morell does not strike me as a as an A's kind of player. Right. And then what? So I don't know what you're gonna and then you can call up the Blue Jays and go, hey, you got three catchers. You can only use one at a time. Um, so you know things are bad when the Cubs are whispering in the ears of the writers. You know who's actually pretty good? That Tucker Barnhart. <laughs> like, no, he's not. And you guys know that because he was a red and he was bad. He had like one half of a good year. So if I had to bet, that's what I would bet is that yeah. the Cubs catching tandem next year is 58-year-old Jan Gomes and Tucker Barnyard. I mean, Tucker Barnyard. <laughs> He'll be a good Taylor McGregor interview, though. He's, he's, he's got a lively uh, disposition, and uh, he's a good talker. Well, good. Maybe they can they can mic him up right during games. We can hear all. It'll be fun. Um, the uh, two of the four shortstops have homes. Trey Turner turned down a lot of money from the Padres. Basically, I'm sure he told AJ, you already traded me once. Right. I don't want to come here. Uh, to go play for the Phillies. And then the Padres were like, won't somebody take our money? <laughs> they tried to give $400 million of it to Aaron Judge. And he said, no, I'm going to stay a Yankee. And so then they gave it to uh, Xander Bogarts. And everybody's like, well, Xander could just move to third someday. And Manny Machado's over well, well, I'm already, I'm standing right here. <laughs> yeah, I already moved from short to third. Thank you. And I was crushed because I had read the Mark Feinstein tweet where uh, the Cubs, people are saying maybe the Cubs could sign two of the shortstops. <laughs> and I literally, I, I don't. I'm easily amused, but I, it's it's hard to like get a startled chuckle out of me. And I was sitting here, I was sitting here looking at my computer, flipping through. I was writing some nonsense, and I saw that tweet, and I just literally laughed out loud. I'm like, oh, <laughs> it's bad enough that somebody told you that you don't have to write that down. Right. You're just encouraging them. Like, oh. And then Cub fans are getting all excited. Maybe we, how about we get maybe we can sign three of them. Yeah, maybe you could. <laughs> So uh, the two that are left, uh, both would fit uh, the, the Cubs, because anybody would. One a lot better than the other are, are uh, Carlos Correa and Dansby Swanson. Um, Correa, it's, it's it's interesting, right? Like so Everybody just immediately connected him to the Giants when the Giants missed out on Aaron Judge. And they're like, well, they got all that money, that's what they're going to give it to. And maybe they are. But then all of a sudden... You start hearing, well, maybe the twins are back yeah. in this thing. And that just smelled to me like Scott Boris trying to, like, kick up a, look at all the teams that are still interested in Carlos. Look at this. <laughs> I mean, if I'm the Cubs, that's, I just call Scott and go, all right, what's going to take? Let's just do it. Um, but I think they're like, ooh, let somebody else pay all that money. Uh, we'll get the other guy. Yeah. And it's like, well, is he, would he make the Cubs better? Yeah, because they're bad. So right. anybody would make it better. And he, Dansby Swanson's a, he's a good player. He's not 
at the le- I don't think he's not at the level of the other three and it's an incremental improvement now it would kind of cascade with the Cubs because you would uh, I think you could throw Nick Madrigal in the trade for the catcher then sure yes. that would actually Madrigal does seem like a guy the A's would want but um, a little oh, no pun, pun intended a uh, small piece of the deal uh, he's he's the guy being asked for at the last second when you think you've got the deal done and he's like, what about the tiny guy? <laughs> um, sign Dansby, you move Nico to second, and you, now you have a gold glove caliber second baseman, a gold glove caliber shortstop. That's great. You also still have uh, nobody hitting. It was funny. Uh, first, it was MLB Network put together when the Cubs signed Cody Bellinger. They showed the, the projected Cubs lineup. <laughs> right. And it was just like, oh God. Oh my <laughs> God. You know, it's it starts off okay. It was like uh, I think they had Nico and then Saya and then they had Ian Happ. And you're like, Oh, batting yeah. third, uh, and then Bellinger batting cleanup. You're like, Oh, things are getting things are getting bad. Uh, and then you had uh they put Matt Mervis in the lineup. Right. Yep. All of a sudden, sure. you got that Why 937 not? OPS. Yes. And then a big asterisk at three levels of the minors. Right. I think Jan Gomes was in there, and I don't know. I think they had, uh, uh, they probably had, I think they had Fran Mill Reyes playing third. And they had Billy Williams. <laughs> he was in it. <laughs> Marvell wins. <laughs> they should call Marvell just in yeah. case. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So there's that. Um, I try not to watch the show, but I was—I didn't watch it. I listened to it. I was out. It was lunchtime, and I'm like, well, I'm going to listen to MLB Network, see if anything breaks. And what I heard instead was uh, Christopher Russo oh. yelling at Susan Slusser. He's a Giants fan. He's a legacy right. Giants fan because his, because, dad, of the New York because his dad was a New York Giants fan. So Christopher was a San Francisco Giants fan. And he was yelling at her as though she was running the Giants about how if they weren't going to sign him, why did they try? Yes. And she's just, you could hear her like, wait a minute, what? He's like, well, if they, did, if they, if they weren't going to get him, why would they get their fans' hopes up? <laughs> and she's like, they almost got him. Like, right. they made a good enough offer to get him. He just decided 
to play for the Yankees, which they knew all Well, they should have known that that was going to happen. That's exactly what he said. Well, they should have known he was going to stay with the Yankees. And it's one of those things where you just want to throw it back at him. If they didn't try to sign him, how big a fit would you be throwing right now that they didn't even try? How could you not even try? I mean, it's the most stupid sports radio argument ever. The, you know, why would you get our hopes up? Just, I, just, it, I just shook my head like oh, how is this thing on? how is this on how is this broadcast anywhere but um, yeah he's really as big of a doofus as that <laughs> mostly I just listen I every time I he's on I want Milwaukee to do something because I love the way he says brewers <laughs> the brewers yes. Boy, I have something unkind. I mean, for a guy that talks as much as him, you'd think he would speak better. I mean, no, and he there's just, no... Oh, he mangles names, and uh, you'd like to think it's shtick, but it's not shtick. He just gets excited. There is a little bit of a shtick, but... That's true. I guess there's probably a little shtick. He's got a little, he's got a little shtick. <laughs> you know the problem with Chris Russo? He's got a little shtick. <laughs> But you do have the Giants now sitting there with a a uh, a big pile of cash. And they want to give it to somebody. <laughs> Won't somebody take our cash? So they move Correa over to third, or is, is uh, Brandon Crawford? He seemed to dive a little bit last year in production. Does he does he go over second? Who's at second? I don't know. I. That, that's not a great fit. No, it's not. It doesn't. I mean, Crawford, they think Crawford probably has one year left in San Francisco. So it would be yeah. one of those where. And I wouldn't, if you sign Carlos Correa, that's not the one I'm moving. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I guess I'm sorry, Brandon. Um, yeah, I'd play him at, um, Well, that's the beauty of the Giants. He's the only part of their infield they actually have right now. Is They only have a shortstop. So there's holes all over. He could go. Brandon Woods like to play first, second, or third because they're all right. open. Um, they did get. Uh, they filled an outfield spot with Mitch Haniger. Yeah. Uh, which the person most excited about that was Jack Peterson, who now doesn't have to play the outfield at all, which is right. the way he prefers it. And he kind of played yeah. left field last year, like he didn't want to play outfield at all. <laughs> The Giants, the team that won 107 games just two years ago. And one of the reasons they won it was they were so good at run prevention. Played just right. abysmal defense last year. Yeah. Almost everywhere. Uh, part of it was Brandon Belt's knee fell off and Crawford got hurt, but they had, um, they had Jock and left. and it was So Hanniger will help him a little bit. I mean, he's, he's not exactly a superstar right fielder no but he's uh been above average by a little bit and mike estremsky's a good uh they're about the same he's above average outfielder too so yeah. those two guys in the outfield that's two out of three anyway little, yeah they little can catch Yaz, who is probably he's probably better off in right so I'll, I'll let uh, I'll let the handsome Gabe Kapler 
uh, right. about that. He's got a plan. Gabe was uh, he was doing an interview at the winter meetings, and it was one of those was Alex Pavlovic of uh, NBC Sports Bay Area, and somebody else from NBC Sports Bay Area, and then Gabe, and they're sitting at this like very casual seating in the lobby of the hotel. And Gabe, who I'm sure had just finished a nine-hour workout, was uh, sitting there leaning back, and he at one point he crossed his legs, and he realized that he had, um, he had like, there I'm sure they weren't, but when like you and I were in college, it would have been Doc Martin's boots. That's the mm-hmm. style that they were, and they were white, just like completely mm-hmm. white, like the most ridiculous things you could possibly have. And you're looking at Gabe, and you're like, that looks good. That's fine. He can worry. <laughs> but, uh, well, Gabe can worry about that. But if you're Correa, if you're, uh, if you're Correa, who, last year you kind of got stuck without, the music stopped and you didn't have a home and you ended up taking right. a rather large one-year check to go freeze your ass off in Minnesota. And I don't think he wants to do that again. Although the Twins let everybody know that he's still on the group chat with all the other players. Oh, well, that means he's staying. He's still on, he's That's, still uh, on the chat. That's fine. It's quite quite the bit of evidence there. Because um, I think there was a thought. It, the, the fit made more sense in the opposite direction, which was instead of if Judge goes to, if Judge stays in New York, the Giants can just throw this money at Correa. The it made more sense the opposite direction. If the Giants had stolen Judge, right, that the um, Yankees would sign Correa. Hmm. So, you know, the Yankees are off the board. Um, I don't know. I don't know who the suitors for Carlos are. Um, people just assume it's the Giants because they have money. You'd like to assume it's the Cubs because they have they have a lot of money available. They might not want to spend it. Um, and they have well, the Mariners could uh, need use an upgraded shortstop over uh, JP, not JP Crawford. I forget JP Crawford. Yeah, um, I haven't heard them linked, but that could be something. And the, yeah, the I think that the alternatives aren't that sexy. You know, I mean, you know, Atlanta probably. Maybe, but don't you feel like Atlanta has already like they've got like most of that team locked up already? And they yeah, got, there's a couple. They, they got all these coming back until he breaks something. Maybe a starting pitcher like Rodon, but I, mean, I think the Braves just kind of feel like we'll just start with Vaughn Grissom and we'll see what happens. We'll, yeah, we'll pivot if we need to. All right, talk myself into it. He's going to have to call the Cubs and beg. That's how it's going to end. He's like, please, just pay me whatever you want. Or, here, well, I'll do the Andre Dawson. I'll give you the blank contract. Just the Cubs would make just fill it in. sense, but it is cold here, there, like in Minnesota. But it's not nearly as cold. I mean, it's so much farther south. I suppose. Um, he doesn't have to hang around in the winter anyway. The uh, the Dodgers would be a good place. I, I don't know what they're spending their money on. 
we saw that thing about um, one of the reasons that the Dodgers may be a little um, unable to pay right now is uh, if um, Trevor Bowers suspension ends up being lifted and they have to pay him oh okay 60 million dollars 30 of 30 some of which would be on next year's payroll which means if they go out and sign a guy like Correa they're now they're already would be well into the repeater and they'd have be another 30 lopped on top of it yeah so they're like eh, maybe we don't want to do that I mean, this is I, this Boris really has to miss just being able to go to the Angels at the end of every off season and go. All right, I got this guy. Could you please? Could you just give this guy three hundred million dollars already? Sure, <laughs> sure, no problem. Are you going? Did you re up your uh, season tickets right behind the screen? Did you, Scott? Okay, well then, sure, we'll take whatever you got. Yeah, he doesn't sit there anymore. They've turned that into something else. Oh, that's too bad. But he used that a couple of times. They pulled the emergency cord, and Artie Moreno <laughs> showed up with a check. That doesn't that, that can't happen anymore. Um, I'm sure the Cubs, though, they they've decided no, we're going to save our money because we're going to we're going to pay Shohei next year uh, six hundred million dollars for ten years. We haven't mentioned the Padres. I mean, they, they couldn't. <laughs> it's like all right, we'll just take them all. Come on. They couldn't. What they couldn't bring do we in. Not uh, have an old shortstop at. Well, okay, right field. Come on, have another. No, yeah. They'll right. and loading up so much that they'll have to platoon Juan Soto. <laughs> Juan, I'm sorry, we can't just can't get you enough at bats. We could play against righties and on Tuesdays. Right. <laughs> if somebody did have a graphic that showed all the guys who'd play, because it was a. Um, apparently Austin Nola must have been a shortstop in the minors at some point. And I, I know, right. and I know the guy put the graph together just to do it. They they showed all you know, all um, eight positions, right? And they had in in gold all the guys who used to play shortstop, and right. they got to do catcher. So they had him and Machado and um, and Tatis, Cronenworth, and, yeah, Cronenworth, Tim. and Xander. And um, the little the guy who filled in for Tatis, Kim. yes, Kim. So it's it was six of them, I think. Six Gary of the, Templeton, six of the eight, yeah. <laughs> Khalil Green, right? She's my favorite shade of green. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was looking for paint. I went into Lowe's and I asked if they had him, and then I said, "Do you have Khalil Green?" I said, "Just a second. He said, "No, he he works on Wednesdays." Um, so we missed out on that. But uh, the Red Sox, um, does does Heim Bloom know he doesn't still work for the race? Right. He's been conditioned for the, yeah. for the small offers. Not average annual value anyway, but still. So he got there and he had a team that had Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts on it. And now it doesn't have either of those things. And then everybody made fun of. Um, I'm going to butcher the guy's name. The, the, t- and I'm saying this not to be mean, just to be accurate. The tiny little Japanese guy that he gave ninety million dollars to, and everybody went, "Wait a minute, what?" 
Yes. Uh, Masakata. Masakata. Um, Masakata. Yoshida. Masakata Yoshida. Masataka. Yoshida. Masataka Yoshida. Masataka Yoshida. I like it. I would assign him just to say it. Say it's fun. Right. The PA announcer has to be fired up. You could make a meal out of that. Yes. Um, actually, one thing I didn't mention. The guy I feel the worst about, worst for, I mean, he had a great week, but the guy I feel really bad for with the with Wilson Contreras leaving the Cubs is Pat Hughes. Yeah. He loved to say Wilson Contreras. And he'll still get to say it, like, 19 days out of the year. But not, right. not 162. I'm sorry. still feel bad for Pat. Hall of Famer Pat. Hughes to you. Hall of Famer Virgil Patrick Hughes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was genuinely... It's one of those things where it's like, alright, how excited are you going to get for somebody else you know, being honored? But that was one where when I saw it, I was just genuinely happy for Pat. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think he's a great announcer. And he seems like a great guy. I've met him a couple of times. He's a very nice man. Yeah. And he had to carry Ron Sano around for... Oh. <laughs> Maybe literally had to carry Ron Sano around <laughs> for a long time. Um, it was funny because he was on... Um, I knew he was going to be on the score this morning, so I, I didn't tune in live. I checked their little podcast thing. I listened to... He was on with David Huh, and um, somebody was filling in for Mully. And um, it was Ron Coomer talking about Pat, so I wanted to tune in and hear what Coomer said about it. And... They were talking about. I said, "Well, you under, you know, Coom, um, you you had a tough job. You you came in, you filled in for a legend, you replaced a legend on Cubs radio broadcast." And I thought, "Was you guys thought Keith Moreland was that good?" <laughs> it's like you know, guys, Keith did three years in between the runs. It's not like Moreland filled in for half a season, right? Three full years. Ron Coomer did not replace Ron Sano. He was the next right. Ron. But he wasn't the next. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't the next analyst. And they talked about that for like ten minutes. I'm like, all right, guys. Uh, Your narrative's off a little. It's not a thing. Um. Well, yeah. So you mentioned that the Mariners could upgrade a shortstop. They, I thought they made an excellent trade before the uh, winter meetings even started when they got T. Oscar Hernandez from the Blue Jays. That's an underrated move. I really, yes, I really like T. Oscar Hernandez. He's turned into a really good hitter. You're right. So there was that. Um, yes, yeah, so we talk about all the the big money people throw around, but were there any uh, any kind of off the radar signings that you thought? Ooh, that's a good move. I mean. It's kind of a baseball nerdy thing, but before they signed um, Kenley Jansen and gave away Xander Bogarts, the Red Sox brought in a former Cub uh, right-hander. Um, and that, that, why am I blanking on his name? You know who I'm talking about. He's 37 years old. Chris Martin. Chris Martin. And, yeah, uh, from Coldplay. Yep. Martin is, uh, you know, it, it was late in his career, but he's 
turned into consistently just an outstanding relief pitcher. He walk, I mean, he walks like five guys a year and strikes people out at the same time. It's uh, it's kind of weird. It's uh, how good he is and a good ground ball pitcher as well. I thought that was a really good move. The Red Sox, you know, we, we make fun of uh, Kyle Bloom for not knowing that Xander was going to need, you know, two or $300 million. Um, but I, I, he's done some nice things with the bullpen. The Red Sox had a pretty bad bullpen last year, but they've got some good pieces. And I don't know how the starting staff is going to work. And, you know, they have a couple holes in the lineup. And I think they're going to lose J.D. Martinez. I don't know if they have a plan for that part. But, um, well, maybe Fran Mill Reyes. Sure. He's available. That would work for somebody. Oh, I think he has um, a, I think he had a super secret deal already worked out with the Cubs. He said to wait till after Rule 5 so they can put him back on the 40-man and not... Uh, it's probably a minor league. He'll probably get a minor league deal. Right. But I like uh, moves like that. It's, uh, you know, he's underrated, really, really good pitcher. You know, David Robertson signed with the Mets today. He's kind of... I mean, they're not the same kind of pitcher, but... Exactly, but uh, David... I mean, it's it's kind of hard to find a good relief pitcher who's who d- doesn't have those valleys where they just fall off the map and uh, those guys are really underrated to me and uh, good players to have on the roster so I like that that Chris Martin move and I can make some good uh, cold play yeah. or bad cold play puns and win the Paltrow references too so which is always fun uh, I like the uh, the Guardians signing Josh Bell yeah I thought that was a good move I think it's just a good fit in that lineup for sure, he uh, had a, had a very strange year. Yeah. He was having one of his best seasons, and then when he came over, uh, you know, people talked about how Juan Soto had a hard time getting started with the Padres. I mean, Josh Bell was bad. Yeah, it was Cody Bellinger, Jason Hayward, kind of bad. It was just uh, I don't know exactly what his deal was, but and he was uh, he's a switch hitter, and I always, I mean. Something I, I I don't know about, but when when a, when a hitter struggles and you're a switch hitter, you got to like figure out two different com- completely different kind of swings to get yourself right. It just seems like a lot of work. I don't know that isn't necessarily worth it. But uh, man, he was bad last year, but he's had a really good career, and I uh, that seems like a move that uh, is is pretty obvious. I mean, they for all the things that the the guards did right last year, they needed some more sticks in the middle of the lineup, and he's a good run producing guy to go with uh, Jose Ramirez. So I like that move too. Yeah. In 103 games with the nationals, he hit 301, 384, 493 with 14 overs, 57 RBIs, 53 games with the Padres, 192, 316. He slugged 271 for the Padres. I don't know how you do. I mean, is that the Marine layer? I don't know what's going on in San Diego, but in 210 plate appearances, three homers and five doubles. That was it. Yikes. We saw, I mean, we saw Soto pick it up in the postseason, and Soto wasn't that bad during the regular season. But I don't know if he was trying too hard. I mean, I, 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 I think that can be a thing sometimes, even with the with the professional athletes, that they're, they put too much pressure on themselves. Maybe there's kind of secret injury. I don't know. But um, assuming that that is just a, an aberration, you know, he's, he's going to make Cleveland better. And then a guy who the Mets uh, decided to keep, uh, they re-signed Brandon Nimmo, who was 
kind of like the solution for every team who's like, well, we need a guy who gets on base. We need a guy who plays center. Right. How about Brandon Nimmo? And this so, guy many, is good. so many teams said, hey, how about Brandon Nimmo that he got an eight-year, $162 million deal with the Mets? Yeah, you know, I looked, at, and he's kind of sneaky good. He's mm-hmm. uh, a couple of years, uh, or last year he, he played in about 150 games. He doesn't do that much. He he does get hurt a lot, has gotten hurt a lot. That's that's kind of the, always been the big if with Brandon Nimmo, missing because of some serious injuries. But he's coming off a healthy season, and uh, you know if you if you look at the his stats, his WAR uh, since he came into the league, I think there have been ten outfielders who uh, only ten who are better than him. You know since twenty sixteen or seventeen when he became. Uh, a regular player, uh, you know, he's he's uh, been worth about as much as Ronald Acuna and Chris Bryant, which uh, you know, I know there's a, a joke in there somewhere, but that's probably going to surprise some people. So, I mean, he puts up, he's not, uh, he's he's probably a, a neutral center fielder and maybe a little better at the corners. Not sure about his arm. Uh, he's good left fielder for sure and a decent center fielder. And a good player to have hitting first or second in the lineup. You know, he doesn't steal bases, but he gets on and works the count and all that. So he's, um, you know, he's certainly well paid, but um, he's a good player. Yeah, his OPS is since 2018, 886, 783, 888, 838, 800. Now, the only issue yeah. there is that in uh, 2019, he only played in 69 games. 2020 he played in 55 but they're only 60 so that was full season right but 92 right. in 2021 so uh i guess you could say oh. if you're if you look into the mets training room you're going to be Uh-oh. finding nemo no huh? send that one i to mean boris. somebody get I've that made... is he a boris client somebody send that pun to boris he would love oh it. probably oh god he thinks it's the greatest thing ever that's going to be the title of the podcast, Finding Nemo. Yeah. Nobody's ever used, I'm sure nobody's ever no. used that pun before. You're ahead of the curve Wayne there. Wayne Randazzo is like, I've said that a thousand times. Yeah, I, know. Know. I know, Wayne. Uh, Finding Nemo. Huh. <laughs> that was great. Um, I, it was nice, though, to have the winter meetings actually be the winter meetings again. People were there. Right. We got the the awkward lobby shots of uh, you know sports writers kind of lumbering in the background, and then like it's almost like you turn the light on and there's a cockroach, and it like quickly tries to skitter. You know, it's one of those you turn it on, and Gordon Wittenmeyer's beady eyes look at the camera, and then he's like just a half trot to get out of camera range. That was fun, and there were a lot of moves. You know, for the last few years until last year when nothing happened because they locked everybody out. Most of the stuff wouldn't didn't wasn't happening until almost February. Right. It was just boring. It is nice and uh you know, we've talked about and other people have mentioned uh the the weirdness of twenty twenty and how it might have affected players last year and even with the lockout, it wasn't a, a normal off season. So it's 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 nice to have the off season stuff normal again and I think maybe that means that the regular season will be a little more uh, in line with with what we're used to once they start that, so um, it's nice to uh, to not have a, a lockout or I mean, with COVID maybe we're 
just kind of pretending it isn't there. But I guess it's, it's nice to not have to worry about that either, in, in a way. So no matter how many people die. The uh, the Astros don't have a general manager. And don't seem to be in any kind of hurry to get one. Right. Who's who's doing things there? Do we know? Um, Is it Dusty? I don't know. I know. Well, I, I can't imagine that it's the owner. Um, but they, I mean, they, you know, baseball teams, you know. Yeah, there's a million guys. Those guys, you know, it's and you just sort of right. Although they they did, they also fired his top assistant, I believe, when he got let go. So they they had to go down the the rungs a little bit to uh, to to find a couple people. But they got um, a, one yeah. of the janitors running the. I don't know if it was that many rungs, but uh, something like that. So. And it was there's, there's a team probably where Carlos Correa will not go back. Yes, probably not. Right. Um, the Blue Jays announced that Don Mattingly was, was going to be their bench coach. And I, my reaction was, oh, that's right. He's not managing the Marlins anymore. Who is? And then right. I remembered it was the great Skip Schumacher. Um, did you see that uh, Hayward got invited to the Dodgers? He did. And so yeah. there were people like, and look at this. It Basically, the Cubs traded Jason Hayward to the Dodgers for uh, Cody Bellinger. It's like, yeah, that's a great trade. They get to pay both of them. So, nice job. One of the guys running the Astros, you you ask, his name's Bill Farkas. Scott Farkas. Scott Farkas. And uh, he was the senior director of baseball strategy, which I have to admit sounds like a really cool job. does. Um, So he's one of the guys, and someone else named Andrew Ball. Well, I don't know. Oh, ball. They run the day-to-day stuff, but right. I mean, if you're going to ball, go with, yes, Andrew. Um, you know, but figure that Jim Crane is signing the checks. I mean, that's not any different. You know, we give the GMs credit, but it's, you know, you know, Steve Cohen is, uh, is okaying all these expenditures for the Mets. It's his decision. You know, it's, uh, the the Orioles, you know, going out on a limb and spending ten whole million dollars for uh, Kyle Gibson, you know, that's uh, who, whichever. Uh, um, what's the name of the uh, Orioles owner? Not Be- not Bezos. That's the other. That's the other city in Washington. Uh, Peter Angelos, the Angelos family. They're fighting over who runs the uh, the Orioles. So. You know the Orioles go out and they spent ten million dollars on Kyle Gibson, and that's you know that's going to have to satiate their fans for this winter, I'm afraid. But um, but it's it's the ownership that approves the all the money anyway. So even when we talk about well the, the you know J- James Click is gone and his assistant's gone, there's still I don't want to call them flunkies, but there's guys who will do what the owner says, and you know hey I think we should sign this guy, and Jim Crane's like yeah that sounds good to me too, so. It's uh, it's an owner's game. When he's not, uh, sab- when right. he's not denying trades for Wilson Contreras at the trade deadline, right? That's, that's what he's doing. Or committing some kind of federal <laughs> racial hiring yeah. violations. 
Well, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Scott Fergus. Scott Farkas. Farkas? Yes. Farkas. Scott Farkas. Scott. And Bill so, Farkas. Scott Farkas. Bill Farkas is Scott Farkas's uh, uncle. Somehow as far as we know. Um, I was asking you before we went on if you had seen the uh, Christmas Story sequel, A Christmas Story Christmas, which is now streaming on HBO Max. Yeah. And you indicated that you had seen it. I had seen it. So I was going to ask you, what did you, what did you think? I was, I would say, I don't know if I was pleasantly surprised. I was pleasantly relieved that uh, the people who made it, I thought, obviously cared about the original Christmas story. And now, you know, with uh, everybody on the Internet uh, wanting to give their opinion, I see all kinds of, oh, that's a terrible Christmas movie and it's overrated and all that and whatever. Um, you know, I, I enjoyed it. I, uh, hold it dear to my heart. And I, I think that the filmmakers felt the same way. It was, a, it was a nice sort of continuity of Ralphie struggling to be a writer, you know, as he was in the original. And, um, you know, it was, uh, uh, it, it set the right tone. It was, it was funny. You know, it's not, I don't think it was anywhere near as iconic as the first, but I think they were, you know, they were trying to make a solid sequel and not embarrass themselves or the franchise. And because they've made some other, you know, uh, a Christmas story too with, uh, uh, um, they, they've made sequels before. Yeah, but it's they, just... what was the, uh, they made a summer movie. Yeah, a summer story, I believe. A summer story with uh, Charles Grodin. Charles Grodin. And that actually was all right. Yeah, it actually was kind of funny. You got to uh, you got to spend a lot of quality time with the bumpuses in that one. Yes, and there is a bumpus in uh, Christmas Story Christmas. Right. You only get to meet the one the one uh, son. Right. Um, I enjoyed it. I the the original is one of my all time favorite movies. Not just the Christmas movie. I just think it's a really funny movie. Um, and I didn't go in thinking this one was going to be as good, and it wasn't. But I did enjoy it. I thought it was good. Um, so Peter Billingsley is back as grown-up Ralphie with sideburns and um, his his wife in the movie is Aaron Hayes who has been on lots of stuff and is always funny so that was good right. good casting there for her uh, was it Melinda Dillon was that who played the mom in the original they, they asked her if she wanted to be in it and she basically said no I'm, I don't act and uh, they, but they replaced her with Julie Haggerty, who I thought was a inspired choice um, as the mom. Uh, they, a really good choice if you can't get Melinda Dillon. Right, I think is eighty three and hasn't acted in eight or nine years, so that's cool. And I love the scene where uh, uh, Ralphie's mom uh, they go to Vegas and she loses the nest egg. No, wait, that was <laughs> that wasn't that movie. That was Albert Brooks. That. Um, I wasn't expecting a Lost in America reference, but I should have known with Julie Agony. So, um, Randy, who, of course, the 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 urban myth about the actor who played Randy was that he uh, became a porn star. <laughs> I don't know if that's true, but he's in it, and he, he is. We don't we don't see. There's no naked Randy in Christmas Story Christmas. So I hate to disappoint anybody who was tuning in just to see that, but you don't see that. Uh, the guys who... something of a of a Vegas 
was it Vegas? Uh, some kind of recluse millionaire he was, he was type. In, I don't know. He was overseas, right? He was in like Monaco yeah, or some. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, the guys who played uh, Flick and Schwartz were back. Which I enjoyed right. that they were both. Um, which one of them owned the tavern? Schwartz? Flick, o- Flick owned it. Flick owned it. He got it from yes. his dad. Right. Um, but then uh, the moment, I don't want to spoil this for anybody, but I'm going to anyway, I don't care. I won't say when it happens, but um, the the way that they, they did occasional flashbacks to the original right. footage from the original movie. And then Darren McGavin, uh, spoiler alert, Darren McGavin's dead. He's been dead for a long time. And the whole plot around the movie is that the old man dies right before Christmas. Ralphie and the family are about to go to um, the fictionalized version of Hammond, Indiana, wherever they lived. And um, right. Ralphie gets a call that dad's dead, but mom still wants him to come for Christmas. Um, so there are some, you do hear Darren McGavin a few times um, when Ralphie is remembering things that happened. But the best use of the flashbacks I thought they did was when all of a sudden you see Scott Farkas from the original, and then it morphs seamlessly into grown-up Scott Farkas, who looks exactly the same. He does. His face, he made the face perfectly. Yes. And I was like, holy crap. That was. I thought that was very well done. Was, uh, did I, uh, there was a little bit of it that I missed. Did we see grown-up Grover Dill, too? For a second, I thought maybe yes. we did. With I think we did. Toady, yeah, Toady. I thought yep. that was a nice touch too. Those little details matter. It's um, yeah. I think it was it, you know it was made with love, and uh, that sort of showed through. And I liked that. Um, I I liked that uh, Scott Farkas became a cop. I thought that was yeah. really appropriate and. Um, not not to give too much away, but you know he's uh, he sort of saves the day a little bit. So yeah. I guess I just gave it away. But he did. Way to go! Now, I ruined it for everybody. Um, so Ralph, Peter Billingsley is the narrator, in addition to being the lead. And it took me a minute to remember, <laughs> Ralphie narrates a Christmas story, <laughs> right? Because it's Gene Shepard. It's the guy who actually wrote the the right. short stories that they made a Christmas story out of, right? Um. And there is a reference to him, uh, the uh, one of his books of short stories, which maybe even the original Christmas story is in. It was a book called um, uh, "In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash," and that's yeah. a sign above the bar. You see that? Right. Think about oh, the time that's... they're haggling over Schwartz's tab. Right. Um, yeah, and there's they you do get all the hits. There's a triple dog dare. Um, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, but at the very end, they morph um, Ralphie's narration into... He finishes it with the final words from the original Christmas story. And you get to hear Gene Shepard's voice. Because it just yeah. they morph Ralphie into that. I just thought it was... You know, it was... it was, it, Like I said, they played all the hits. Um, for better and worse. Uh, but I thought it was... I thought it was pretty good. I was... Uh, I was expecting that. I thought there was a chance I would turn it on, and about 20 minutes in, I'd be like, I'm going to watch something else. But I plowed through the whole thing. So I would recommend it as a holiday movie for people to. On a uh, on a related note, it's a little closer for me because I'm in the Kansas City area. But uh, my, my wife likes the movie, too. There's uh, a town 
south of Oklahoma City, where they have put up a permanent uh, 50-foot replica of the lamp. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, you should read about this. It's in Chickasaw, Oklahoma, maybe about <laughs> half an hour south of Oklahoma City. And it's all that's going on in this in this town. It's it's kind of a funny backstory because, um, and it, uh, you know, and we went. We drove five hours, basically just to see this. <laughs> and it's really it's really well made. It's a four it's about a forty foot lamp with a a, a ten foot uh, crate that is also a oh, replica. It's nice. just fragile. It says right. this end up. It just it's yeah. like what Darren McGavin got yeah. uh, delivered. Fragile. And, you know, it must must Fragile. be Italian. It must be Italian, and uh, it's it's really well made. They had a blow up one, which is kind of kinky uh, yeah, sounding, yep. that uh, kept getting torn to shreds by the wind. You know, it's Oklahoma; it's Tornado Alley. So, they, somebody built a, you know, they they took donations or whatever, and they built this lamp, and they're trying to revitalize the downtown with it. So, like in every window of every store, there's Ralphie with in his bunny feet costume that his uh, his aunt made, and. Um, you know they're really milking it, and it's uh, it's neat because um, either a resident of the town or somebody who grew up there um, grew grew up to be a um, an art teacher, I think, an art professor at the at Oklahoma State, which isn't that far away, and has believed all these years to be to have the inspiration for the original lamp. He um, had made a lamp that you know it looked like I've seen it, and it looks like. The lamp in the movie, but it kind of looks like. Do you remember the uh, Herbie Hancock's rocket video with the uh, with the mannequins and stuff? It was like a, it was a two legged mannequin with a dress, and it was a lamp, and it was it's really weird. And I think it's it's a bunch of coincidences. I don't know that it actually is the reason that there was this kind of lamp in the movie because uh, there's like Gene Shepard has talked about how something else had inspired it, but. This guy is under the was under the impression he just died. This guy was under the impression that his lamp that he kept in his office at Oklahoma State <laughs> was the inspiration. It's like you know there was this guy who used to come around my office and was fascinated by the lamp, and that guy went on to work on a Christmas story in the art department, and uh, so he was kind of putting two and two together. And uh, you know people knew about this, but then it was like in his obituary, it's like. Uh, you know, Chickasaw resident, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it mentions the Christmas story and the lamp story prominently. And um, so they're like, hey, let's, you know, honor this guy's memory and try and get a good gimmick for tourists by putting this 50 foot lamp in downtown Chickasaw, Oklahoma, where, where otherwise, you know, who would think to put it there? So it was a driving distance for us about four or five hours. And, uh, you know, if you're not doing anything uh, and, you're within the sound of my voice. It's uh, it, it's it's a bit out of the way and odd, but certainly worth it, and especially if you like the Christmas Story. So the the original Christmas Story was filmed in Ohio. Yeah, and for the longest time, you could go like tour the house, I guess. Right. This one, as you would expect, was filmed in Bulgaria. <laughs> Right. So they Another asked, reason probably they, we they asked Peter Billingsley like, why why it was in Bulgaria, and they, they said they basically went and they built. There is a shot of like the the street on both sides. They built ten houses in Bulgaria. He said it was just easier to go someplace where we could build the houses to make them look right for the period than trying to right. find the houses. So 
everybody got to spend uh, some quality time last winter in beautiful Bulgaria making a Christmas story Christmas. That's a Balkan state, isn't it? Yeah. Or is that Albania? Or is it both? I don't know. I think it was behind the Iron Curtain at one time. Bulgaria? Sounds like it. Bulgaria. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess uh, that's, I guess, two recommendations then for Christmas Story Christmas. Thumbs up. That was good. All right. So we broke down the winter meetings and uh, a holiday movie sequel. So, I mean, what more could people want? I hope nothing because I, I got to go. <laughs> All right. Well, me too. <laughs> well, thanks, Dave. Yeah, thanks, Andy. Many of us have herpes. I just want this to be over.